I'm going to be sharing with you a message titled, Why Do We Have to Pray? I was thinking of a scripture and I went to the context and I want to read the verses to you. It's from Job chapter 22. And I'm going to read from verse 21 to verse 30. It says, Acquaint now yourself with him. These aren't on the screen, pal. The, Acquaint now yourself with him. This, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, by the way. Agree with God and show yourself to be conformed to his will and be at peace. By that you shall prosper and great good shall come to you. Receive, I pray you, the law and instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty and submit and humble yourself before him, you will be built up if you put away unrighteousness far from your tents. If you lay gold in the dust and the gold of Ifah among the stones of the brook, considering them of little worth, and make the Almighty your gold and the Lord your precious silver treasure, then you will have delight in the Almighty and you will lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer to him. And he will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You shall also decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favour shall shine upon your ways. These are some tremendous words, aren't they? When they make you low, you will say, there is a lifting up. Did you hear that? When they say, you're down, you'll just say, oh, I'm being lifted up. And the humble person he lifts up and saves. He will even deliver the one for whom you intercede. I love this. He will even deliver the one for whom you intercede who is not innocent. Yes, he will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. Isn't that marvelous? This is saying if you pray for somebody, they're in a mess. They haven't got it right with God. But your prayer can be so effective. It can change them. Praise the Lord. And that's what ministry of prayer is all about. For changing Working with God. I'm going to have to cut a big section off this message this morning, but that won't matter. I've got a handout to give you, and that maybe will cover the last half of the message. Have you ever asked yourself, why do we have to pray? Why do I have to pray? If God knows everything and can do anything, what is the use of me praying? Well, first of all, I want to deal with some problems which we face when we think of prayer. The first one is fatalism. These are blockages to praying. Fatalism. The attitude, whatever will be, will be. What's the use of me praying? God's in charge. He's going to do what he wants to do, and I can't change a thing. So fatalism. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. Well, that's a blockage. If you have that attitude, that will not motivate you to pray. Unbelief. We can't change anything. Who are we? Apathy. Indifference and lethargy. Three print spirits over Australia. She'll be right, mate. Don't worry, she'll be right. No worries. So the attitude that comes from apathy and indifference and lethargy is, why bother? Why bother going to the prayer meeting? Why spend time on your knees before God? It's too difficult. 
And that's what lethargy and indifference and apathy will produce in you if you don't fight back. Now, I'm going to mention something that's a little hairy, so to speak, but there's a major roadblock in Christian churches. And uh, I think it springs from some aspects of the Reformed theology. And in that theology, there is such an overemphasis, if I can use that word in quotation marks, an overemphasis on God's sovereignty, God's omnipotence, God's foreknowledge, and God's, uh, did I use the word predestination? There's such an emphasis on that. Well, it's like God's in charge. We can't do anything, and so we'll leave him to do it. Now, that has afflicted the church in the prayer life of the church, the prayer life of Christians. And it's got to be faced up to, and it's got to be dealt with. God is the omnipotent God. I agree. Do you say amen to that? Praise God. He is sovereign. He does have foreknowledge. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the eternal one. He lives in eternity. He sees the past, the present, and the future. But in that overemphasis, it can tend to cause us to diminish who we are, what we are, and what we can accomplish. And what we need to see is that we're not just a human being if we're a child of God. We are now born again of the Spirit, should be indwelt by the Spirit of God, should be empowered by the Spirit of God, and we should recognize that we are now in Christ, and Christ is in us. And let me go on with some beautiful statements. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. We are temples of the Holy Ghost. We're going somewhere. We are a kind of new first fruits of his creatures, born again by the word of God. You see, we're not just a normal human being. We are a new species as a child of God. Glory to God. And we've got to lift our, our sights and start to believe what the word of God tells us we are. We are what God says we are. We can do what God says we can do. He is what he is. And he can do what he said he'll do. Bless God. And so we're not just humans as pawns on a board. Thank God for people who didn't believe that and believed if by praying and interceding they could change things. Bless God. What about Abraham praying, praying for his nephew Lot down there in Sodom and Gomorrah? He had a go. He didn't succeed but he tried all he could to try and change the situation, try and stop the destruction. Bless God. What about the faith of dear old Joshua? He just told the sun to stand still and told the moon to stay where it was in its place. I mean, fantastic, audacious, but they knew God. And when you start to know God, you start to release him in your life and you start to work with him. Instead of seeing ourselves just as mere humans, we must see that we are now in partnership with God. I think I've got a smudge on my glasses. Excuse me. Don't want to see a fog over you. Or we'd see you in a fog. We are God's workers. Let's have the first slide up. 1 Corinthians 3, 8 and 9. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward. 
according to his own labor. This is a promise for us. If we become involved in what God wants to accomplish, we're going to be rewarded for the part we play, for the cooperation, for working as a partner with God. Bless God. That, that's an incentive, isn't it, to get on board. It also goes on to say we are God's fellow workers. You see, God doesn't just want to do it all on his own. He wants to invite us into the program. He wants to invite, involve us in what he wants to accomplish. And this is just absolutely superb and, and fantastic. Do you know that if you look at God and the history and all that he has created, if you look at the secret of all this, behind it all, wait for it, is a great romance. A great romance. God, the Father, wants a wife for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody who's a member of the body of Christ is going to form a part of that body and they'll become the bride, the Lamb's wife. Ho, ho, glory to God, you've got mighty future. And, you know, these worlds that are so huge you can't measure them, it boggles my mind the way they, they can go so far with their telescopes. I nearly find it unbelievable. Millions of light years, billions of light years, and they've got a telescope. I just can't understand what they'd see. Just you remember Voyager just this week that we were hearing about it. It's done 18 billion miles and it's just got outside of our own solar system into interstellar space. But, you know, when we get in, in, in line with God's plans and, and we go up in the rapture, if you believe that, or you join with Jesus when he comes back, you know, friends, we're going to enter into that 1,000-year reign with Christ on the earth and then we're going to be forever with the Lord and be a part of all his eternal plans. And he wants you to be involved. He wants me to be involved. And this makes significant what we go through now. Brother Mark, in his message last week, mentioned one verse where it talks about Jesus came in the incarnation to destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And when you hear that word destroy, you think, oh, well, Jesus fixed him, he's wiped out, and he doesn't exist anymore. But he's still around. Now, what's he around for? You see, Jesus could have wiped him out. Why has Jesus and the Father left the devil around? Well, friends, I got... Good news and the bad news. On the job training. You and I have to learn to resist him. You and I have to learn to fight the good fight of faith. It's on the job training. That's why the devil's still around. When God's finished with his purposes, well, for, for a while, he'll lock him up for a thousand years and we'll have a great, wonderful millennial reign. Rule and reign with Jesus on the earth. The earth will blossom like it was meant to be and we'll have peace on the earth and Christ's government is going to be fantastic. Looking forward to it? A lot in the church today don't even want to believe in the millennium. Well, you better rip some parts out of your Bible because it seems to be mentioned there plenty of times. Anyhow, this great romance has brought about salvation through Christ Jesus it has brought a sanctified church into being and we are all being sanctified. That's a process that we're going through. 
And we're going to be the King of Kings bride eventually. What a prospect. What a future. And I, I look forward. I wouldn't miss being a Christian for, for billions of dollars. Because as a Christian, I'm going to be at the Father's side. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be with all the saints and the angels forever and ever. And I'm going to be exposed to all the knowledge that he has. Not that I'll ever be able to contain it, maybe. But you know what I mean? Think of it. And some people want to choose hell. Goodness me, just flames and heat, sulfur and brimstone, weeping and gnashing your teeth. Some people would prefer that future. I read a, a remark just the other day of a fellow who was boasting about going to hell. He said, I'm going to enjoy the fire. I thought, you don't know what you're talking about. You're absolutely ignorant. But that's the future some people would choose rather than this, this glorious, eternal, never-ending future that we're going to have. Open up to the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the understanding of God and how he made things and how he's done this and how he's done that and what he did this for and what he did that for. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. Don't miss out. If there's any doubt in your life about your faith, get it right. Get it right. Don't ever miss out. Don't take any risk about your soul. Don't take a risk about your soul. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Thank God we can choose the way of life and it's all in Jesus. So all the saints of God are in training for reigning. We're on the job, being trained, going through difficulties, tribulation, persecutions. But praise God, we're more than conquerors. And as we've been studying Romans, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 in recent studies, here on Sunday morning, we're learning that we, because of this fight we're in, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, we have to take what verse 10 admonishes us to do, and that is to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And friends, if you don't believe in prayer and you don't believe in developing your prayer life, you're not going to be strong. That's what the whole passage is about. The last verse of the passage is praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You see? This is the key. And so prayer is a very vital, very vital substance in the Christian life, a very, a very most, a most important avenue for us to tap into all that God's got for us. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Be strong. In the Lord and in the power of his might. I like if Colossians chapter 1 verse 11 which says that we are strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And we're strengthened. Uh, the, the Greek word is endunamu and that's sort of like dynamo. Dynamode. Dynamode with his dunamis. And when we get into the presence of God and when we exercise faith and when we let the Spirit of God build us up in our inner man, there's like a dynamo effect. It's turning the, the battery, the charger, the battery charger. It's charging us up, charging us up so we'll be strong in the Spirit to withstand those darts, to withstand the enemy coming against us. We're all in the battle. And God understands your stage of growth. He knows where you are. And he's got angels who will protect you and look after you at your stage. But he'll allow tests to come as you grow more in the Lord. And he wants you to take on more responsibility. And that's one thing a lot of us shrink from. 
We don't like to take responsibility. Leave it to somebody else. But you see, God's developing you and me for the responsibility we're going to get involved in in that eternal future. And he's got to train our spiritual muscles. He's got to develop our understanding. He's got to strengthen our spirits. We've got to learn to work with the Holy Spirit, work with God, work with him, discernment. And you see, that's why you you meet all these different people and you have all these different situations and testings and failings, part of the course. Don't look for perfection. No one's got it, only God. S4, slide four. So I sought for a man among them who would make up, make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Isn't that tragic? This is the Lord speaking. I looked, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall. In other words, take a stand and put up some barriers. We're not going to tolerate this any longer. We're not going to let unrighteousness just reign. We're going to let righteousness start to fall down like the rain. Praise God. So God wants people who are willing to build a barrier against evil and to stand in the gap before God. What we can't do, he can do if we'll cooperate with him. And he said, on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but he said, I found no one. Isn't that tragic? I hope you can see some here, many here, that you're willing to stand in the gap. You're willing to start getting more involved in the prayer meetings, more involved in a life of prayer. You're going to be unsettled now. I think I've whet your appetite for what's ahead now. You can never be the same again. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. You'll never be the same again as a Christian because of what you've heard this morning because God's got a program that he wants to incorporate you into. And his vision is far bigger than you've ever dreamed of. But it's glorious. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. It's exciting. It'll be good. And I tell you what, all your capacity as a human being will be totally fulfilled in God's end for you. So stay with the program. Hallelujah. Amen. Stay on the job. Learning as we go. Then verse 31 says, Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. The serious consequences when people don't see God. If mums and dads don't see God about their children, there can be some pretty tragic consequences and they have to go to funerals. They have to go to funerals. Drug addiction, alcoholism, driving too fast, smashed the vehicle, killed them and their mates. All kinds of things because of unrighteousness, willfulness, disobedience. But as we pray, we can pull down, as it were, those resources from heaven and we can release them into our family. We can bless our children. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 12 through to 13 and we're going to read to verse 21 later on. For our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us and as for our iniquities, we know them. This is a picture of the terrible state of things. It's it's in our world, isn't it? In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Next slide. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. 
For truth has fallen in the street. There's a lack of truth around, isn't there? And equity cannot enter, so truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The goodies get attacked. It's all back to front. Isn't that what it's like today? Stand up for truth and Jesus and they want to take your job off you. Then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. Friends, you can pray for justice to come into the land. We need a lot. Verse 16, he saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. In this instance, the only one who could redeem us was Jesus the Saviour. So God himself, his own arm, brought salvation for him and his own righteousness, it sustained him. It's as if God said, well, I'll do something about the situation. I can't keep waiting for men to change things. I've got to do something myself. And in the fullness of time, he came, born of a woman, born under the law, and became our precious and great redeemer. Hallelujah. So we know, we know from these verses, God does not like the negative situation. He wants changes. Can we have verse 21? As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. Listen to the words of this verse. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants, descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. Notice the emphasis on words and mouth. Friends, that's all we've got in prayer. Isn't that true? And God is looking for people who are committed to the right words and using their mouth for his cause. And that's what he's looking for. I'm wanting descendants, he says, who will be these committed kind of people who will pass the message on, pass the baton of truth and righteousness and salvation and redemption. Because that's what's going to change things. So God wants prayers. He wants intercessors. I'm believing God to touch some of you and you get a desire, if you don't already have it and practice it, to become, become an intercessor. God wants intercessors. They are the people who stand in the gap and stand in between the mess and God and start to bring change. They mean business with God. I, I admire and salute the intercessors. They are great people. They get up at any time when God wakes them up to pray. They'll pray for hours if God so leads. They're available to God. Wouldn't you like to be like that? You think your life is not count, doesn't count for much and you're just, you know, little so-and-so. Tell you what, before the throne of God, you can be great. And that's what counts. Hallelujah. And not only does God want prayers and intercessors, he wants co-creators. He wants to create situations with you as a co-partner, a fellow worker. Together we can do this, God is saying, if you'll cooperate, if you'll join with me. Praise God. And also, not only co-creators, but co-destroyers of evil. Dear, there's a lot of it. And many times we can just back off and think, oh, what can you do about it? Well, the church has got to rise up. We will never exterminate all evil in the world, that's for sure. Perhaps it would disappear when the Lord uses that great angel to bind up Satan and put him in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. It'll be pretty good then. But until then, it's going to be around. Sad to announce that Paul said, 
In the last days, evil men shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So it's going to be around. But that doesn't mean to say we put up our hands and give in. Because God still wants some more members for his bride. He wants more in the church. Amen. And you and I can be instruments for that to occur. Praise God. Slide 8, please. Romans 4.17 It is written, I have made you, Abraham, a father of many nations. He said this in the presence of God. These words were spoken in the presence of God, whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, why have I put that verse up there? Why is that up there? Because for things to change, you've got to start believing that God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, you've got to start practicing like Daddy, like Father God. And we've got to learn to put words in our mouth that are totally opposite to the circumstances and the situation and speak words of prophecy. I was reminded of that verse this morning when Ezekiel was told in chapter 37 of Ezekiel to go out and look in the valley and saw a whole pack of dry bones and God said, prophesy to them. Whoop! Prophesy to dead bones? That's the God we serve. He said, we'll get some life in here. There'll be some shaking and some rattling. (laughs) Glory to God. So we can work with God. He can work with us and we can see the miraculous. And what happened? An army came together. There was a shaking and a rattling and an army came together. But it was all because one man was willing to look at the, the impossible dead bones in a valley coming to life and forming an army. Crazy. But that's what God told him to do. And I don't know if God's going to get you to do that. I don't think so, but, but he might challenge you to confront some impossible situations. A, a, a rank sinner as a neighbour or a relative or a family member or a backslider and say, I want you to start declaring my word over them and there's going to be change. So this is a vital aspect. You remember the emphasis of that verse about words? Verse 21, back on Isaiah there. Words. You see, they're valuable. They're powerful. They're life-changing. God used words to create everything talking with Mark yesterday and he was telling me about how everything comes back finally to vibrations and it's all a symphony. The whole of creation is a symphony. Beautiful, isn't it? That's our God who made that. Talk about a God of romance. And he wants you and I to be part of this glorious bride that's going to rule and reign with him forever. Hallelujah. So don't forget that. That's that we are children of Abraham because of our faith. And we have to continue to have faith. You had to believe when you were a sinner that when you came to Jesus and repented of your sins and put your faith in him, that he could save you. You exercised some faith and he did. He came through for you and you're changed. You're now a child of God. He wants you to keep going in that vein. And he wants you to keep exercising your faith. But you know, many people are just prepared to look back and say, well, I'm a Christian, I believe. I remember that night. Oh, it was a glorious night. But God wants us to go on, talk about some new things, some new miracles, some new developments as we be a co-worker with him. Okay, slide nine, Mark 11, 22, 24. I nearly titled this message, Why Do We Have to Pray and Say? 
We hear a lot about prayer. Have you ever been to a saying meeting? Because this verse is saying, Jesus is talking, this is the head of the church, this is the boss, this is the creator, this is the number one, our Lord. And he said to his disciples, and this was just after he had cursed a fig tree, told it to die from the roots up. Next day the disciples come past, say, Lord, it's, it, it's died. Don't suppose they're expecting it to happen. But Jesus was giving them an illustration. Speak words, they're effective. Fig tree died. So he said after them observing that, this is what he said next. Jesus answered them and said to them, have faith in God. And I understand the best rendering is, have the faith of God. In other words, exercise the same faith you've just seen Jesus exercise. Have the faith of God. Having faith in God is wonderful. I mean, thank God we can have faith in him. He's a wonderful father and he's done so much for us and he's going to do so much for us. But... He's saying now, I want you to develop what I've got in me. You can have it. Have the faith of God. And you know what? We have it. Galatians 2.20, what's it say? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. We live by the faith of the Son of God. We're living by the faith of God. But we don't recognize it sometimes. And this is just a development on that. Looking at the situations as we wait on God, he can cause us to have a focus and say, right, we're going to bring the faith of God to bear on that situation, that person, that backslider, that unsaved person, that family member. Praise God. So Jesus said in verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, assuredly, I think the old King James has added, truly, truly, verily, verily. That's right, very, very, verily, verily. Get, take notice. I say to you, whoever, whoever, not just the top people, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Ooh, dear, that's a, I don't know why Jesus picked a mountain. Why did he start with a mountain? But I think he's showing us the potential Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. That's a key. We can get doubts flicking our minds, but if we don't budge in our faith, in our heart, but believe that the things we have said, the things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That verse doesn't use the word pray at all. It says says. Have a look at it. How many says in it? Count them. Three. Four. Six. We've got six says. I'd better have a look myself. <laughs> but get the message. You see, learning to say. Look at that thing that can be changed. And together with God and the Holy Spirit, and faith, you can see changes. We have to believe. Have the faith of God. We've got to start attacking those things that have saying to us, you can't win here. You're wasting your time here. And I tell you what, that's what some sinners, there are a lot of sinners, that's their attitude. Don't you try it on here. You're not going to get through here. Well, I think that's a good place to start praying. That's a good start, place to start prophesying. That's a good place to start saying. Get some mountains moved. 
Hallelujah. Verse 24. Therefore, Jesus said, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You see, verse 24 is reflecting out of verse 23. In other words, when you start to pray, you've got to have this kind of faith that you're going to get what you're asking for. Believe it. And the tendency is for us to doubt. And the doubts will start to come. And the, it's coming up very soon, isn't it? The next, next, the next lesson on prayer is about the shield of faith. Shield of faith. Dear me, those fiery missiles that come to say, you can't do a thing, you can't change a thing, you're weak, you've, ne- you've never done anything in your life. What do you think you're going to do now? But we just put the shield of faith up and we quench them. They're fiery darts. We quench them. That means put them out. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Isaiah 54, 17, slide 10. This is a beautiful verse. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Isn't this a wonderful thing that the Lord's saying to us? And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. That struck me the other day when I was meditating on it. You shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Isn't that fantastic? We have a righteousness which is from God. And we have this heritage that we can use our mouth and we can start speaking to things. And do you know what? I'm going to give you an illustration. When I went for my five-kilometre walk just under on Friday afternoon, I was walking along the road, got about halfway round. Lo and behold, I saw something up on the road. So I thought, oh, that looked a bit messy. Got up there, and as I reached over to pick it up, I, uh, uh, one of those male adult magazines. So I just rolled it in my hand, didn't ponder to look at it, held it in my hand, and I'm going up. About 20 metres later, I see another one. So I picked that up, and I rolled that round the other one I had in my hand. And friends, I had a motivation to pray. I had a motivation to say. I took on that firm. I took on the bosses. I took on the investors. And I brought words against them. Because those fellows are polluting our society, building up lust, building up prostitution, spreading their pornography. And it's ruining lives, ruining lives, destroying marriages. And I took it in my hand. And I tell you what, I had a good old time. As I walked, I took authority. Now, you could say, no, come off it. What can you do? Well, I can try to do what God tells me to do. Amen? Speak the words. Speak. Amen? Say. Say unto this mountain, who's going to rise up if we don't? Hey, Who are we waiting for? We're the cavalry, friends. <laughs> Glory to God, we're the cavalry. God's counting on us. And if enough Christians would weld together with this sort of focus, imagine how we'd be bombarding these powers of darkness and this filth and this nonsense and we could start to shut it down. Praise God. Right, slide 11, Matthew 18. Here's some more. This is Jesus talking. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? You see, Jesus said that. Not me, not Pastor Mark, not some theologian, but Jesus said that. We can bind 
the things that heaven binds. And we can loose the things that heaven's behind in loosing. Loose the blessing. Bind the demons. Bind the unrighteousness. Sometimes we might have to even bind a personality. Verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Isn't that encouraging? To find a prayer partner who you can agree with. You're prepared to take on something that looks impossible and say, right, we're never going to confess a word that will say this can't be done. We lock our lips to the untruth. We lock our lips to the truth. God will bring deliverance. God will bring salvation. Bless the Lord. You see, God loves people like that. He loves his kind of kids. They've got that stuff in them that won't be beaten, that won't back down. Like the three Hebrew men. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, and they wouldn't burn. Glory to God. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. And if you can get someone else to join with you, go for it. Hallelujah. I think that's what Daniel did when the the great big idol was made by uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel got together with his three friends, needed a little more unity and, you know, nothing like a bit of support. Two of you, well, we'll have four of us. And they stood the test. Bless God. And those three Hebrew men came out the other side and, bless God, they had a mighty experience in the the fire because Jesus... The Son of God, the great creator, was in the fire with them. And the only thing that got burnt was their bands, the things that tied them. Hallelujah. And the men who threw them in got killed because of the heat of the fire. No trouble to Jesus. Friends, when you read a story like that, doesn't move you. It gets you excited about the supernatural and the impossible. Hallelujah. The walls of Jericho can come down. Old Goliath can be slain because David believed just with a simple stone. Hallelujah. So Isaiah 54, 17, just let me go back to to that again and say to you, we have to learn, don't, don't worry about it, brother. We have to learn to condemn things. You can condemn, that verse says. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Now, many times we wait for God to do the judging and the condemning. But he says, you. And he says, your righteousness is of me and this is your inheritance, your heritage. And we wait around for someone else to do it. Do you get get what I mean? And I'm as guilty as, as any of you sometimes of not doing what I should do, not believing how I should believe, not approaching situations like I should approach them. And we've got to watch out we don't become wimps. No backbone. We leave it to the brave ones to do the fighting. When it's prayer meeting time, oh, well, we'll leave it to them. I'll stay home and watch my TV. I'll play my games. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. I mean, they're very important. I mean, they, they've got a lot to do with eternity. <laughs> you know, tell me, what are you involving your life in? Because one day it's all going to go up and smoke. Where's your reward? What's going to count? We've got to weigh it up, friends. Jesus wants us to share in his inheritance and he wants us to share in the spoils of victory bless god hallelujah 2 corinthians 10 3 to 5 and i think i 
nearly might draw to a close here. I've got some handouts to give you which are the other part of the other message, part of the, the rest of the message. I was going to talk to you about understanding the legal foundation to prayer. It will be in the notes that will be available after the meeting. We need to understand that. I'll just say to you briefly that God made Adam to have dominion. Just didn't put him in the garden to weed. He made him to have dominion. And of course, Adam was tempted by the serpent after his wife Eve. She, she encouraged him to eat and they both ate. We know what happened. The whole sin, the sin of passed right through the whole human race. We've had problems with it ever since. But God had a remedy. As we described through the scriptures we've read this morning, there was nobody, there was no man. There was no intermediate. Well, what do we call that? An, an intercessor and there's another word. In, just can't think of it offhand. Mediator, that's the word. Thank you. $10,000 for that thing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So Jesus came. The virgin birth, the incarnation, his perfect life, his crucifixion, his burial death, his burial, his glorious resurrection, his ascension to the throne, his reigning on the throne. And it uh, be lovely to share with you about how we're connected there. We are connected there very, very vitally. Just want to throw back to one or two verses in Ephesians chapter 1. We went through the book of Ephesians, didn't we, in the last few months or so. And it tells us there, Paul says, I pray that you will receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know, one, the hope of your calling. Do you think that could do with anything I had to say to you this morning about the future and your reigning with Christ and being part of the bride, married to Christ? That, that opens up your eyes, doesn't it? Oh, I didn't know I had such a marvellous, glorious future. Bless God, the hope of his calling. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We could talk about that for a long time. But all the resources and all the riches and the glory of the inheritance that God's given us in Christ is just marvellous. And then the third thing he says, that your eyes may be open, that you may be illuminated to know the power of his resurrection. Did you know when Jesus Christ rose, every Christian that was ever going to be born again from that point to, to the future and goes back, and I believe it redeems all the Old Testament saints, the power of the resurrection lifted us all into heavenly places and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places if you can take it. And that's where we are. We can reign from that position. If you just see yourself as, you know, little old me down here on the earth and I can't count for much, well, you'll have a very low perspective of how effective you can be. But if you start to see yourself in Christ and you're seated with him in heavenly places and, and you can rule and reign with him as the Spirit of God leads you, what, a, what an enlarging vision. The fact that we've been lifted with him. The resurrection has lifted us to that place. We're in his body. 
Amen. And God put all things under Jesus' feet. Gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And if you can continue to read the first few verses of chapter 6, you'll find that he said uh, you were dead in trespasses and sins. And you were living a pretty messy life, verses 2 and 3 describe it. But it said, but you were quickened by the Spirit. The mercy of God came on you and you were made alive and you were raised up together and you were seated together with Christ in heavenly places. We've got to believe it, friends. Believe it. When we start to believe that, praise God, you want to be at the prayer meeting. You want to pray more. You want to say more. You want to prophesy more. You want to use words that are positive and bring God's kingdom. Hallelujah. You might get a taste for moving mountains. Glory to God. Mark wouldn't mind that. Amen. He's lifted a few on his own. He could do with some help. Praise God. Thank the Lord for those who have been moving mountains behind the scenes. But let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 as I come to a close. Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. Over in the body, we don't rely on physical strength alone. We don't war that way. For the weapons, verse 4, of our warfare are not carnal, not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. I used to think they were demonic strongholds and sometimes they can be in our life, but they're mindsets. Is that right, dear? They're mindsets that we've developed from hurts in our life, from deprivations in our life, from unforgiveness, from bitterness and all these negative things. We didn't get a fair deal as a child. Somebody didn't love us enough and so on. And so we've set up mindsets. Amazing. It's amazing, the mindsets. And the devil's out to build those mindsets. Because if you can hide behind those mindsets, you'll be rendered inoperative in certain areas of life. You'll count yourself out all the time. And the devil'll say, yeah, you're not on this one. You know you, come on. And we believe it. But we've got to rise up and say, no more. I'm a child of faith. I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. And I can speak the word and I can see things change. Mountain, be moved. Get out of my life. Hallelujah. That's what you're doing. Casting down arguments, reasonings, imaginations. You go to do something, all of a sudden a negative imagination rises in your mind. Oh, no, I better not. Going to prophesy some morning, eh? And all of a sudden an imagination comes up or a reasoning comes up and says, who are you to prophesy? Who do you think you are? Well, just shut that voice out and go ahead and prophesy. See, you you are in that room, friends, and I know you are because you don't prophesy. But you can't tell me this, con- this congregation of anointed people do- can't prophesy. But you don't. But you know why? Because you're defeated at that point where the imagination comes up that defeats you or the negative thought comes up and defeats you. And I want to say to you this week, start taking authority over it and speak the word. Say, doubts, get out of my life. Fear, get out of my life. Evil imaginations, get out of my life. I'm going to be a child of God and be fruitful. I'm going to edify the body through prophecy. Hallelujah. Like that, say amen. Amen. Praise God. So verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations, reasonings, imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I would think every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God is a lie. And it's amazing how many of us are bound by lies. The devil tells us lies. We believe lies about ourselves when we were children, a child. 
Someone might have said to you, a teacher or a parent might have said to you, you you'll never amount to anything. And if you believe that, friend, you've got that lie on board. And when God says, I can use you, that lie will come up and say, no, you can't. Well, what are you going to believe? We have to do some house cleaning. We need to get in some real revival prayer meetings where we can do some inner cleansing. That would be a good start, Pastor Mark, I reckon. You know, where, where we really seek God and start to cleanse out the junk. Patty loves doing it. I love working with her. Because we know people are bound and, and you feel so sorry for them. It's all over a lie. The devil's dirty lie. It's a stronghold and they're bound. But if you can get them to wake up to it and to see it and repent of it, forgive the person they've never forgiven, get rid of the bitterness... All of a sudden the light starts to shine and they get released. And friends, I speak release to you this morning in the name of Jesus. Release to prophesy. Release to move mountains. Release to be set free from unforgiveness and bitterness and hurts of the past and those lies of the devil. I release you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive it. Amen. Now take it on yourself. Do do your own work. Use your own faith. Speak the word and it shall be done unto you. Bless God. I don't know what else I haven't said, except I'll give you the the notes, but I'd love to share more, but time is gone, and I'd rather you be fresh with what you've received. Let's stand together. Praise God. You've had to listen to ministry from a bit of a rusty vessel because when you're not preaching all the time, you don't just have that flow. But I just trusted God. I said, Lord, no matter what mess I make of it, if the Spirit of God doesn't come through and do something with the Word, it's a waste of time anyway. So if you've received something by the Spirit of God and the truth and it's doing you good and it's bubbling up inside of you, well, praise God, I give God all the glory. Let's just pray. And if there's anyone who wants prayer after the meeting, you're welcome to come forward for prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just give you praise and glory this morning for the wonderful plan you have for us human beings. You made us out of dust, but oh, what places you're going to take us. What wonderful glories await for us. Oh, it'll be thrilling when we see you face to face, Lord. It'll be great to be with all the saints of the ages, with those who've gone on before. Lord, we want to be faithful in the fight of faith we have now. In the years that we have left in our lives, Lord, we want to sow into your kingdom. We want to be a fellow partner with you, Lord. We want to... Go for the rewards of the real, the real gold. To go for the gold that comes from you, Lord. You are our gold. You are our treasure. Lord, we just praise you and thank you for opening our eyes that we'll see these things. And Father God, you'll give us new direction, a new impetus. You'll give us a new release of faith. I declare it today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God goes into your ears and down into your heart and it creates faith. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the doubts that will come against your mind and come against your soul and try to take you back. In the name of Jesus, stand strong, I charge you in Jesus' name. Amen.